For Make Weed Make Sense, I'm Kenya Hunter. This is episode two. On July 28, 2017, Governor Charles D. Baker signed into law Chapter 55 of the Acts of 2017, an act to ensure safe access to marijuana. This is the law that began the Cannabis Control Commission. The purpose of the commission is to honor the will of voters by safely, equitably, and effectively implementing the laws that will enable the access to medical and adult use of marijuana in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. At least, this is what their website says. But some constituents feel the commission has been dragging its feet. Horace Small is on the advisory board of the Cannabis Control Commission, an activist and the executive director of the Union of Minority Neighborhoods Horace was appointed to the Cannabis Control Commission by the Attorney General, Maura Healy, and he feels the same way as constituents. Because what happened was the governor sat on his ass for a couple of years and didn't do anything on the marijuana stuff. A lot of us were thrust into roles that we didn't anticipate. So here's the deal. We have our first meeting. And we're told we're supposed to have the first set of regulate. This is our, like, end of September? This, this year? No, last year. Okay. And now they tell us we have to have regulations out through by the end of November, which means that we have to literally work day and night to come up with this stuff. We took an oath. We got served. Shannon is absolutely right because the reality is that if, if, if remember, if, if the major component, the major the major gist of the legislation was to like help resolve the injustice that was perpetrated upon poor people and black and brown people. Fuck no, yeah, I don't know that. Okay, but there are reasons for that. One is operate from the perspective that you have a community that has no power. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to summarize for you the meeting that I have just had with the bipartisan leaders, which began at 8 o'clock and was completed two hours later. In 1971, President Richard Nixon declared a war on drugs. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. I have asked the Congress to provide the legislative authority and this the war on drugs cost kind of the United States trillions of dollars and it ended with a number of black men ending up in prison this constituted the creation of the drug enforcement administration or the DEA this war on drugs is also the inspiration behind first lady nixon's just say no campaign later in october of 1986 President Ronald Reagan signs into law the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, where the DEA received $1.7 billion to fight the drug war. The drug war was meant to fight drugs and substance abuse. Only one president called for the decriminalization of drugs since the declaration. 
Democratic President Jimmy Carter. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana, leaving the states free to adopt whatever laws they wish concerning marijuana. The war on drugs came with unintended consequences. The prison population in the United States increased nearly 600 percent, according to research done by author Cory Booker. And for Massachusetts, the legalization of marijuana was not only meant to right the wrongs of the war on drugs, but to Horace, legalization was also meant to give the same people harmed by the war on drugs a seat at the table in the cannabis industry. Um, this was the game changer economically. For 400 years, our people ain't never been at the table, right? I mean, so finally for the first time, when even when them white folks came up, when them hippies came up with, with a, 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 a alternative energy, even when they came up with that shit, they didn't think about bringing us to the table. Marijuana allowed us to be at the table. It was an economic game changer. We could, it's a product, we sell product, we can uh, create our own businesses. I mean, think about it. There are, there are occupations, there are literally hundreds of occupations, most of whom have not even been invented yet, okay? That can pay up, that can pay good wages and help people go forward with their lives. And it's investment in the community and all this shit. Yeah, so it's really a major, major thing for us. Economic, it's an economic engine that can generate, that the revenues from that can be generated to other things and other businesses. I mean, because right now, if you really paid attention to Massachusetts, yeah, we own businesses. Yeah, they're all called consultants. <laughs> all right? It's all called consultants, okay? Because they can't get hired no damn where. So they're consultants, right? The marijuana industry is one that minorities can't seem to find a say-so in. In an attempt to change that, Massachusetts formed the nation's first ever social equity program to help minorities and people with prior drug convictions make way in the legal marijuana industry. Something to understand. There are two things that are going on at the same time in Massachusetts, and they're both very similar. We will get more into detail later on in the podcast. So there's economic empowerment applicants and the social equity program. Both help minorities, but they're not quite the same thing. A license obtained through the equity program gives training and resources to individuals who want to get in on the marijuana business, while the economic empower applicants are simply minority applicants who get put on the top of the pile of applicants for recreational marijuana stores. So there is social equity in the program, but in a year's time, constituents still find themselves immensely frustrated. After two years of legalization, there are only two recreational marijuana stores in Massachusetts. So my biggest question to Horace was this. What was the big holdup with handing out recreational licenses? One of the things I think that's really, really important is to recognize that this is some nonprofit program. We're creating an industry. And I challenge my colleagues to remember just what the fuck that means. General Motors is an industry. U.S. Steel is an industry. 
General Mills is an industry. They're industries. They're going to outlast me, you, your grandchildren, my grandchildren, my great-great-great-grandchildren. They're industries. U.S. Steel. That's what we're building. So we're not building my very first meeting. The very first words out of my mouth. When Steve Hoffman, who's the chairman, said, we're going to do this by November, I said, you ain't going to do this. I've been in government. This shit ain't going to work. You are not going to do this. This is not going to end well. And I said that. And um, I, I said, I want, I want it noted and on the record that I was up front with that shit. And, well, um, environment plays a, plays a big air quality, you know, environment, air quality, um, how the, how the all plays into temperature, all plays into the successful cultivation of the plant. And, and, you know, which requires some, you know, Jimmy can't come in off the street and do that shit. There's a level of training and knowledge that has to go into it. It's a science. It really is one of the most scientific things I've seen in a long time. Despite the work of the Cannabis Control Commission, Horace says legalization is not what he expected it to be. This is Massachusetts. This is not lefty land. I thought, okay, like another bill, I thought that one, criminal records would be expunged if you got busted for marijuana. In 1933, when they ended prohibition, everybody who got busted for that shit, everybody who was making still gin, uh, brothers who were in the in the mountain Stone Mountain, who were making moonshine and shit, okay, folks in the couple of mountains, they all got their records expunged once once prohibition ended. In Massachusetts, we haven't changed records yet. I'm still working to do that. We haven't done that yet. I'm still working to do that. Um, You'd be amazed how many lock them up and throw away to keep people existing in this in this part of the world. Okay, it, yeah, I mean, like like Lester Maddox ain't got nothing on these folks. Now, obviously, if you were part of a criminal enterprise, Del Chapo, and was moving two, 26 million tons of marijuana, that's one thing. But if your name is Felipe, or if your name is like Jamal, and you got busted on a joint and had your future ruined over it, yeah, I think you should be given your dignity back. I think you should be given your name back. I think you should be given your opportunity back. This is me. So the question is, what does the industry look like? In the next episode, we talk to Dan Delaney, a lobbyist in Massachusetts. One of his first clients was Patriot Care, a medical marijuana business that operates in Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., and other cities across the United States. He says he thinks the legal marijuana industry should be boring. It should be a boring business with a lot of players. You should have, it should be like a CVS. That's it for episode two of Make Weed Make Sense. Thanks for listening.